you really got to want it. Like, I know that when I started, like, this is what I wanted to do and there was nothing else. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you're going to be in it for the long run. Like, it's going to be a lot of, like, tears and hard work that's going to have to go into it and, like, long hours. I think the issue sometimes with the newer generation is that they think that because of social media, things just come easy to everyone. Hello, lovely people, and welcome to the next episode of Girl Boss, a podcast hosted by myself, Nikki Mahone, founder and designer of online jewelry and homeware brand Nikita. Please do leave us a review and share with friends and family if you're enjoying these episodes, as it's so great to see your feedback. I'm genuinely so excited for this podcast as I'm speaking with the legendary Canadian designer, Money Jassel. Money designs stunning luxury evening and bridal wear for the woman who doesn't care what other people think. She started her brand 10 years ago from a small studio in her parents' basement with one sewing machine and is now based in a 4,000 square foot flagship showroom studio. Manny's designs are rebellious and sexy, allowing women to express their strength through outfits that will make the aunties double take. The Manny Jassel brand operates as one that belongs neither to one market or the other, but rather in a self-developed niche for women who wish to dress in comfort and modernity without abandoning their cultural identities. Manny and I have followed each other for years and I've worn her stunning pieces myself. It's been a pleasure to have witnessed her entrepreneurial journey today and I can't wait to ask her more about it. So without further ado, here is the podcast. Hi Money, thank you so much for joining the Girl Boss podcast. How are you? I'm good, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy that you're on here. I feel like because we've followed each other for a while now and it's just been amazing seeing your journey. So I wanted to start things off just asking a little bit more about young money, a bit about yourself Mm -hmm. growing up and how you eventually found your love for creativity and design. Yeah, um, for sure. So basically, we immigrated to Canada when I was like five years old. I was always creative. I think like I had my mom was really into artwork and stuff and same with my aunt and like my mom sewed um, like Indian clothes basically. And so did my Naniji. So I kind of grew up with like the garment industry around me. And then I think like when I was little, I, I would watch my mom sew on her machine when we moved here in Canada. And I would just take her scraps and like play with my Barbie dolls and try to like design something completely different. And that's where I kind of like started loving fashion. Um, I think I was probably like seven or eight. But if I wasn't doing like fashion stuff, I was also kind of like, I always had a sketchbook with me. My parents were always encouraging about like creating art. So I always used to say that like, I wanted to become an artist when I'm older. But then I don't know what happened when I was 11 years old. I was like, I want to make money as well. And I don't think I can make money as an artist only. So I'm going to be a lawyer. And then I was literally writing in my journal (laughs) and I was like, how can I be a lawyer and an artist at the same time? And this 11 year old me decided like fashion design is the combination of a lawyer and an artist. So I was like, I can make clothes which are artistic and I can sell them. And since 11, like that's all I really wanted to do. And it was like a dream of mine to become a fashion designer. Wow. I love that. I love that it was kind of celebrated with your family as well. It wasn't something you had to kind of go against the grain with. Would you say that's right? They kind of encouraged that from you. I think it was right when I was a child. Um, I think again, like when I got to high school and like, you know, you had to apply for like universities and colleges. And that's when my parents were like, okay, so we supported this dream of yours. 
But let's just kind of do a reality check. You're not going to make money off of becoming a fashion designer. Like, and then I was like, okay, maybe you're right. And, you know, typical immigrant South Asian parents, they were like, doctor, lawyer, engineer, that's what you should be. I kind of agreed with my dad. I was like, you're right. I'm not going to make money off of this. And like, I actually really enjoyed math, calculus, physics, chemistry, all of those subjects. So I actually thought like, I want to be an engineer instead. I was like really fascinated with space. So I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. Uh, When it came time to applying for like colleges and universities, I decided to apply for aerospace engineering and chemistry. And I was like, you know what? I'm still going to for shits apply for fashion just to see if I can get in. Mm -hmm. But then like, I think as like time kind of came, like I got my acceptance into aerospace engineering. I got my acceptance into like chemistry. And then I was just waiting for that one letter from Ryerson to get into like fashion design. And like, I was like, okay, I don't think they accepted me. Like I wasn't good enough. So I kind of decided that like I will let fate decide what I will do if I get accepted into Ryerson for fashion design like that's my path that's where I'm going if I don't then it wasn't meant to be but I ended up getting accepted and like my parents weren't on board about it they thought like I was kind of like wasting my life a little bit I think they became on board again when they saw that I could like make money off of it wow I love that you had all of these options kind of available to you I always think about like, what would my life be like if I had gone that route? Because like, you know, like being an entrepreneur, I'm sure you know this as well. I think it's a huge lie when people say that do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life or something. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest bullshit ever because (laughs) I'm working 24 hours and sometimes I wish I could clock out and shut my brain off, Mm -hmm. but you're just constantly working, right? Yeah, exactly. That actually is one of my questions later because I know what it's like. I know it's like having a million things in mind. So in terms of that stage of your life, did you have any other jobs that you were doing before you started your brand? Yeah. So basically when I was in university, I was working retail. So I started working retail, I guess, and then I moved on to Burberry. So I was sort of like, I was doing retail and sales in like the luxury part of it, just to sort of like pay for school, pay for like my rent at my apartment. And then when I graduated, like I was trying to look for a job in the fashion industry, you know, work underneath a designer. That was like the goal. But then like working four years at Burberry really didn't help anything at all. They said they still like, because I'm Canadian, it would be harder for me to like get a job in London. And then like the options in Canada are very limited on like what you can get as a fashion designer here. And everybody wanted unpaid work. And for me, it was like, I had like, student loans to pay off. And that just wasn't an option for me to sort of work for free after doing four years of schooling. I just um, maintained my sales job. And then I basically would do... like I started creating like little, little garments for friends. And I, I was kind of doing both. So I don't... I think like not being able to get a job in the fashion industry as a designer and working underneath someone kind of pushed me into the direction of starting my own brand eventually. I've noticed the key word throughout your branding is rebellion. So what Mm -hmm. does this mean to you? And why is it so important to display this message within your designs now? I think like growing up as like a South Asian girl, especially like you're so restricted. My dad was actually very strict. He's, he's cool now. Like, but in the beginning it was like, you know, like I wasn't allowed to have nail polish on. I wasn't allowed to do eyeliner. I wasn't allowed to do fashion because you know, if you do fashion, you're attracting the boys or something. Right. So I wasn't allowed to do a lot of that stuff. So I think like, it's almost like your expression is suppressed growing up. 
And then all of a sudden you are able to express yourself. So it's like, okay, now how can I? Like, I wasn't even allowed to wear shorts for the longest time. I wasn't allowed to wear mini skirts. So I think all of that kind of plays a role into being rebellious now and being able to express myself and being able to wear what I want, when I want, without any restrictions. So I think that's why the rebellion aspect is so important because it's just for women to kind of do like a little F you to society and be like, I can wear whatever I want. Yeah, amazing. And that actually leads me to my next question, which what actually like drives mm-hmm. you. Um, I think the stigma sometimes with entrepreneurs is that they're entirely money-oriented. But I just wanted yeah. to ask what you feel your biggest motivator is and what gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah, honestly, I think like the whole creativity aspect is what makes me happiest. Like I think there's a certain joy that you feel when I'm like sketching and like getting creative or like when I get a new idea for a new collection. Like I think a lot of artists can understand that. I can't even explain what that feeling is like, but that is definitely something that drives me into like, you know, continuing doing this because being an entrepreneur is very exhausting. And there's some days where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then there's that little jolt of creativity that hits that's like, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh, I can fully relate. It's hard to stay focused on the creative because when you are scaling a business, it ends up with so many boring aspects as well that I find myself getting lost in them. And when I start creating again, I do feel that rush and it reminds me why I'm doing this. So what would you say have been the biggest challenges for you and your brand in recent years? I guess recent years would be considered the pandemic. That really hit us because you know, you think that the wedding industry is kind of untouchable. Like everybody gets married. So weddings will always happen. We will always make sales. But then you get hit with something like a pandemic and all of a sudden everything kind of happened all at once. Like, you know what they say, like it rains, it pours. Basically, we had just bought the new showroom in 2019, November. I had signed the papers. And then in January, I went to India in 2020 because my wedding was July 2020. So we were opening up a new store. I was getting married. There were all of these pop-ups that I was supposed to do and I was supposed to do a collection launch. And then all of a sudden in March, it's like, we're being shut down. My employees had to go home. And then like, it was just very challenging. Like your sales are very low. So you're like, okay, how do I sustain myself as a business after having purchased a new property basically? Um, And now you have this mortgage to pay. So that I found was very challenging. And like the years afterwards weren't the greatest either. Like 2021, like we thought things would get better, but it was only in 2022 when things finally started picking up. So I think like the pandemic was definitely one of the biggest challenges that happened in recent years. There's so many other challenges as well. Like, you know, there's the customer service aspect of it because sometimes that is really draining as well. A pandemic was just never in like anybody's eyesights and like, you get hit with that and you're like, hey, what the hell do I do? Exactly. I think it's just adjusting and also just staying persistent regardless of how difficult it was. I think that just goes to show you're saying in 2022, things started to get better. I know the feeling of thinking, all right, how do we recover from this? Like I had this whole shipping crisis I had to deal with and it really drained the cash yeah. out of my business. It's really scary. Yeah. And I can imagine yeah. if the year you're getting married as well, right? It was like really scary because I was like, obviously, like you don't get like the wedding that you wanted, right? Like we had a 50 people wedding. That's what was allowed. But yeah, it was just scary. Like, but what was good about it is like at the end of 2020, like nobody was buying lingas, nobody was buying wedding stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I always wanted to dabble into like ready to wear streetwear type of stuff. 
So I wanted to create like sweatpant langas. That was something that I had always envisioned. In like 2018, I came up with this idea, but I'm like, who the hell would want to buy sweatpant langas? So then that's when I started my loungewear line. And that was December, 2020. And like, we did a virtual launch and that was the busiest I had ever seen the site. Like the amount of visitors that we had on the website and the amount of immediate sales we made right after because people were interested in buying money just crew necks and sweatpants because the brand had sustained itself for about six years because that was always silly to me too. I'm like, who the hell would want my name on a crew neck? Like who would buy that? Like it's so ridiculous. But like, I guess because I had made a brand for myself, like people were interested in that and like the pieces were super comfortable. So I created sweatpant lingas and like that was something that nobody ever had done before. And like, you know, people actually bought it. Like I thought it was just something like artistic that I did for myself, like because I really wanted to juxtapose those two worlds. Like being an evening wear designer, I'm 24-7 basically in sweats all the time. So I wanted to be able to design them as well and like wear them all the time. I love that. I remember seeing the launch as well. They look so they look so unique and so comfortable at the same time you were able to adapt as a brand as well. I'm sure like people gained a lot of respect for the brand as well. It's funny how like something good can come out of something so bad as long as you're willing to kind of carry on. So I had another question, which was, I have my own business. I always feel like I could be doing more. Like I just feel it all the time. I feel like social media, designs, everything. I always, I'm proud of how I'm doing and I feel productive, but I always have that in the back of my head. You ever feel this way with your brand or if you're more kind of kind to yourself and allow yourself to explore new ventures when you're ready or do you prefer to like keep one foot out of your comfort zone at all times no i think i i'm with you i'm the same way as well like all the time like i'm stressing like it's like i can never be satisfied with what is like literally before this podcast i was like okay i need to work on something else like i need to do more I think it's just like the whole idea of like being able to grow and like nobody else is going to be able to do it. It's only you, right? Like, even though like I have a team that, you know, helped me out so much, I think there's just so much pressure on myself that like, I'm the only one that can help grow the business to where I want to be. And I want to get better and better and expand further and further. Yeah, I completely get you. And as the founder of an empowering brand, do you ever experience self-doubt? Yes. Every day I deal with imposter syndrome where like, even like recently, like after becoming a mom and I'm like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of doing this? Why am I creating? Like, what is the five-year plan? What is the 10-year plan? And I feel like I've kind of like lost myself. Like, I feel like I've been like just doing things, but like, I haven't been like stepping back and being like, why am I doing this? What, what is the reflection? I don't know. Even before, like when I used to put up collections on the runway, like Literally, I was a disaster. I would be like, okay, this is so ugly. People are going to hate it. Like, it's it's terrible. Like, what are people going to say? But like, I'm my own worst cr- critic, right? Like, after I finish a collection, I just think it's the ugliest thing ever. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so over it. That's not usually the case. Usually the case is that people love it. But I think like for myself, I'm never really happy with what I'm doing. It's the pressure we put on ourselves, yeah. isn't it? It's kind of, whenever I am stressing about something, my husband always catches me and he's like, this is only the pressure you're putting on the situation. And I was like, okay, it's actually true. You're your own worst critic, but then again, you're your biggest motivator yeah, at the same exactly. time. So you're going to butt heads with yourself. Like it, it's just, it's hard sometimes, but it's also yeah. like reassuring for anyone listening that someone like yourself as accessible as you've been, you've experienced self-doubt yourself. Yeah. Even my husband says the same thing to me. He's like, he's so used to it now. He's like, you do this before every collection. Like you're, you're fine. Like that's how much I do it. That he's just like, you're fine. <laughs> I think he'll start worrying if I don't do it. He'll be like, okay, what's wrong? You're too confident right now. 
That's good. I am briefly interrupting this podcast to let you know about our sponsor, which is my own brand, Nikita. I thought, why not sponsor my own podcast? Our listeners can enjoy 20% of all products using code GIRLBOSS. We are a brand dedicated to bringing you exclusively designed, empowering jewellery and home decor that would make an amazing gift for a loved one or treat for yourself. We have recently rebranded and made so many improvements to our packaging, our sustainability focus, our website design and user experience, our shipping time and customer service, as well as our jewellery materials to ensure they are waterproof and last forever. We also offer free empowering desktop and phone wallpapers, as well as carefully created music playlists for your every mood to keep you motivated throughout your day. We offer free shipping, next day delivery, free returns, free gift packaging, and we have over 5,000 verified five-star reviews across our selling platforms. The website is nikitabynikki.com. And again, the code is GIRLBOSS for 20% off everything. I hope you're able to make use of the code. Do let me know what you purchase and happy shopping. And thank you so much in advance for your support. It genuinely means the world. Now, with that out of the way, here's the rest of the podcast. And in terms of motherhood, congratulations on your beautiful baby boy. How, how has it been? How's the transition been for you personally and professionally entering motherhood? Yeah, I think, um, so he was born in December and like, it sounds like such a cliche, but it, it really is like a love, like no other, like it's so hard to explain, but like, I have never loved as much as I love my son. And in terms of like professionally, like, you know, like before I was in like full panic mode, like, what do I do? Like, I can't go into work. My priority now is my son. I told myself to be kind and like give myself time to heal, especially. And I just kind of let my team do everything. And, you know, like I was available over the phone if they had any questions. And December is normally our slow period. So it was kind of like the perfect time. Now that I'm feeling a little bit better and like, kind of getting a little bit more sleep. I'm able to work from home more often. And like, I go in maybe like once or twice a week just to like check up on everyone and like, see if there's anything that I need to do. But what I was really happy about was like, after like the postpartum stage was done, I was still feeling creative. And I have been able to like sit down at home while he's taking a nap to like sketch up some new stuff and like work on all of that. Amazing. And I think like, it's reassuring as well that you know, when you invest your time in building a team, because I'm doing it now, like I'm expanding my mm-hmm. team, I'm putting more and more trust into people and delegating. I'm kind of doing it for the reason that I can have a family one day and I can do what you're doing and go in maybe once or twice a week rather than everything yes, solely exactly. relying on me. And I think experience it for yeah. the first time when I went on our honeymoon, like it was probably the first yeah. time ever I've not had to check in. And that's the, like the importance of getting the right people around you and actually delegating things. agree because I think like for me it was like I just want this business to be able to run like if I'm on vacation so like I kind of did like these test runs with everyone like when I'm like okay I'm going on vacation please don't message me if if there is an emergency sure but like otherwise I'm you guys have the resources and the tools to be able to like figure out and come up with a solution with regard to scaling, so it's amazing to see the growth of your team warehouse uh, on your page and everything. I love that you share the behind the scenes. I'd love to know how you were able to expand your team and like branch globally and how you found this transition. Like, was it something that you knew you wanted yeah. to do early on or did it happen like organically? I think it happened more organically. Like when I first started, I was able to hire on interns. I was working in like a smaller space. It was mainly production girls that I I had hired and I was sort of doing all of the marketing myself. Like I was 
the brains behind everything when it came to like Instagram and social media. But now mm-hmm. that social media has become this bigger thing, like I started getting like posting anxiety and that was something I never had. And like now there's TikTok, there's Pinterest, there's Facebook, there's Twitter. And like, it was just getting all too much. So that's when I was like, okay, I need a marketing team for this because I can't be doing this anymore. And now like I barely do my own posting, like my team does it, they create the grid and everything. And I think that's important because it allows me to focus on what I need to focus on, which is be creative and come up with new designs. But it it was really challenging. Like again, like during the pandemic in 2021, we had a lot of turnover. We had a lot of people like switching over. So I found myself doing everything again um, myself. But now that like I've been able to find the right people for my team and be able to focus on that stuff. Like I now have like an operations manager who does the production stuff. So before I was organizing and doing all the logistics for the orders that we get in, but now I have handed that off to somebody else. And like, that's a huge, huge burden off of my back. And so it allows me to focus one on my baby and then also like being creative. And that now that that I have like a marketing and sales department, like I can give them the time task that I need to do. Obviously, like there's always some things that you want to come and do when it comes to marketing because it's more creative. But I think for the most part, it's something that I've been able to hand off to them. Yeah, I know what you mean in terms of when you're finally able to hand something over. I think it's something I'm doing a lot more in the last year as well is actually getting the right people in who are professionals because I would hold all these tasks myself and not really want to let them go. And then when yeah. I realized that someone else can do it, but also do it better than me, that's when I was like, right, yeah. okay, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. Start, start doing that. And then I can focus in on this creative side of it, just like you. So the next question I wanted to ask you is, what's your proudest moment? That's a really big question. I feel like I have so many the most recent, personally, I made a baby. So I think that is that definitely takes the cake. But I think like professionally, um, I think like opening up my own store, like my own space, finally, something that's like a studio and a showroom all at once is really cool. Because like, I don't think any other designer does that here in North America that caters to a South Asian market, where like you can come into a space and shop and then in the back is a studio where everything is made. Another moment would be uh, when I opened up a pop-up in Yorkville. Yorkville is sort of like our Upper East Side or um, our Rodeo Drive, basically. It's where all of like the big names are like Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Holt Renfrew, like all of the big brands are there. But so I had my store that was like a two-minute walk from Chanel, a two-minute walk from Louis Vuitton. And I think that was like something that was always on my list of goals that I wanted to achieve. And the fact that I was able to achieve that so soon in my career, I think that that was a huge accomplishment. Obviously, when you're in a neighborhood like that, I think like the equivalent to that in London is Notting Hill, like the bougie neighborhood there. I think that was a huge learning experience for the brand because like, obviously our brand is very like, it grew through social media, but like being in a mall like that, it gave us foot traffic, which is something that I didn't have before. And it was foot traffic that wouldn't necessarily find us on social media. And it opened up a, a newer market for us. I had a lot of like ladies purchasing from us for vacations. Like they didn't look at the clothes as like South Asian for weddings. They just looked at it for clothes, like as fashion, right? So that was a really cool experience. And we built a, a, a really nice clientele through that as well. And it was a great learning experience. I love that you had to say quite a few moments because you genuinely had some like epic 
stories for this. Yeah. This is so good. So let's talk about stress. So mm-hmm. there's always a million things to think about and so much pressure having your own business, mm-hmm. especially when you're responsible for the livelihoods of others. How do you wind down and generally cope with the stress of scaling your own brand? When I first started the business, that's when I first started feeling anxiety and feeling anxious. Like I never felt anxiety to the way that I felt it when I started my own business. And I think what I had to start doing was one, I had to get a personal and professional phone. I had to separate those because I was getting work calls at like 8 PM. And I'm like, okay, I can't have that. So I think like creating boundaries for myself was one big thing that I did right from the get-go. And then winding down would literally be just like having a glass of wine, taking a bubble bath, going to the gym and just doing something for me where I can completely or try to completely shut off from that. Um, I think like in the beginning, I was like working crazy hours. I wasn't taking vacations, but now I'm like, okay, you know what? Or even I wasn't taking days off. Like I don't remember in the beginning ever taking days off, but now like I was like last year, pre-pregnancy, I was able to at least take one to two days off a week, which I think was nice. Something else that I do is, again, like the anxiety obviously keeps getting bigger and bigger as the business grows as well. Um, I actually do now speak to a therapist. So like having a therapist has been really helpful with sort of like understanding like my thoughts and my anxiety a little bit better. Yeah, I love that you're sharing that. That's so important. Um, I also mm-hmm. like speak to a counsellor as well. I've got this amazing mm-hmm. one online. I deal with a lot of exactly. That's when I know that I need to like work out what's yep. going on just because I don't want it to hold mm-hmm. me back in any way. So I love that. That sounds really good. And definitely to the red wine and the bubble bath. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask what's next for Manny Jassel. I know you were saying earlier that you're still figuring it out, especially after entering motherhood. Do you have any ideas? Is there anything you want to share with the audience? So it's actually been this year will mark 10 years of the company, which is really huge. So I think like for this year, the game plan is to come out with like little collections that I've been working on and just sort of launching them in like capsules. You know, before I was doing these big 80 look collections and runway shows, I think now what I want to do is because of social media, everybody wants new so quickly. So I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to start doing smaller collection launches so that everybody has something new to look forward to every two months versus like every year. And then something else that I'm thinking of doing is a LA pop-up. And I'm also working on a diffusion line as well. So that way we can get more of the South Asian market. And what advice do you have for the young girls listening who want to start something of their own outside of the traditional career paths and they want to try not to care what other people think? Yeah, I think when it comes to that, like you really got to want it. Like I know that when I started, like this is what I wanted to do and there was nothing else. Do you know what I mean? So like you're going to be in it for the long run. Like it's going to be a lot of like tears and hard work that's going to have to go into it and like long hours. I think the issue sometimes with the newer generation is that they think that because of social media, things just come easy to everyone. But it is a lot of hard work that goes into it. So I really recommend like, I remember just putting up like white Bristol board all over my walls and taking a Sharpie and creating this large mind map of like what I wanted the Money Jessel brand to be and what the game plan was like five years, 10 years down the line. 
So just being very organized in the goals that you're setting up for yourself will really help um, in achieving what you want. And I think like the biggest thing that helped me in the beginning was sort of networking. And that's also thanks to like social media. Like I met you through social media as well, right? So I remember you wore that one skirt of mine, um, the the Bertie party one, what was that? I think in 2016, that got us so many, so many UK uh, sales because a lot of people in the UK knew you, you opened us up to like a UK market. And like, you know, it's just like one DM that like made that happen. So I think like networking is so important. And I think like in the beginning, it was very authentic and it was very organic. Like you genuinely like my pieces, right? Nowadays, it's like harder to tell, like, does that person actually like those pieces or are they getting paid? Are they getting gifted? there was like more of a, a connection and like it, it, everything just felt more authentic then. That's so like true. Authentic networking, right? So I think that yeah. would really help. Amazing advice. Honestly, you're an inspiration to so many mm-hmm. girls out there. Like it's amazing what you've achieved. The next part of the podcast is going to be a little game. It's a word association game. So if you just say the one word that comes to your mind when I say these phrases, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Fashion designer. Hard work. Yeah, nice. Motherhood. Even more hard work. (laughs) Okay. Team. Important. Okay, this one's an interesting one. Typical Asian wear. Lengas. Rebellion. Manjassel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that plug love it um okay brides uh the bread and butter of my business and the last one which is growth i just want to say really important manny thank you so much for coming on the girl boss podcast i've loved chatting to you like i feel this conversation was so overdue i wish you all the best for everything else you've got planned i can't wait to see some more pop-ups and everything else amazing thanks nikki what an amazing conversation i absolutely loved that if you could please take a moment to follow our guest and you can follow me and my brand at nikita by nikki on instagram and don't forget you can use code girlboss for 20 percent off all jewelry and homeware at nikita by nikki.com if you enjoyed this episode i'll be so grateful for a podcast review and before we sign off today i'd like to invite you to take one deep breath in with me so we can reset and start or end our day on a really positive note so if you close your eyes take a deep breath in deep breath out open your eyes shoulders back remember who you are and just please have the audacity to be whoever you want to be today we upload new episodes every thursday morning so i hope you'll tune in again next week and in the meantime have the best day have the best week and i'll see you soon